because I figured it out already. I figured it out already earlier today when I rewatched the episode, it was like, oh, Xerxes, who's that again? He's like a Persian emperor guy, right? So I like typed the word Xerxes, right, in Google. Maybe you're familiar. Xerxes the Great comes up of some, some a dynasty I can't pronounce in, in Persia. And I'm like, okay, that's really cool. It's really interesting. And then his wife is named Amestris. And I'm like, okay, I should stop looking at this right now. But because I've already figured everything out. Xerxes is a place in the desert. That That's it. Okay, actually, I haven't figured anything out. But... <laughs> 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 the confidence, the confidence with which he said. Okay, I haven't figured out anything. Salutations, everyone, and welcome to Full Metal Analysts, a podcast where free writers analyze each and every episode of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. I'm Michelle. I'm Arthur. And I'm Mike. And with us today, we have a very special guest. He is the co-host of the Parrots Just Don't Understand podcast, a podcast about media from the perspective of, well, from the perspective of parents. Please welcome to the show, Kurt Schiller. How are you? Yeah, I'm I'm doing really well. And thank you so much for having me on. This was this was fun. Um, it gave me an opportunity to watch some anime that I probably, I probably wouldn't have um, because I, I remember about 15 years ago, I was scorning the older series being like, ah, it's a kid's. <laughs> kids anime i need mature mature anime and and so it, it, it was fun to kind of go back and revisit you know a, a different adaptation of the same material but not something that i would have watched normally so thanks for having me on it's yeah. really interesting you say that because that was an attitude i had after i watched the first series of full metal alchemist <laughs> i remember a friend of mine being like you should get into naruto and i was like that's for kids yes you don't even get, there's no blood they don't even die what is a, a mature anime for you I was born in the early 80s, so I watched a little bit of anime in the late 80s. There was a few animes that were adapted into just like American children's shows uh, that ran on Nickelodeon. One, one was called The Little Bits, um, and that that was actually oh, like a Japanese. Yeah, um, there's I also the, the one. Th it's it's good, right? It's good. <laughs> yes. I tried to watch yes. it, and the animation looks like dog no. shit. Can I curse on here? <laughs> yes, you can. You can. Yeah. Yeah. It looks really bad, the, but it's still charming. Builder bits. Do you remember they had the builder bits? There was a yes. whole subplot like that got canceled before they could explore that whole thing. You know, but I was really into the to into the, the lore. Oh, the it was lore. a wild time, and and pretty sure like like people would die in that series, and I assume that they just edited it out in like the Nickelodeon. But regardless, I I kind of came of age when when like the like the be all end all of anime was stuff like Akira and Armitage the Third and later on like Cowboy Bebop and Helsing and these things that were like trying to be a little bit more overtly edgy and so that's kind of like the I mean edgy edgy is the wrong term but like they weren't including humor the way that shonen type series increasingly did and that was what was becoming more popular on like cartoon network especially as i was kind of you know reaching adulthood and and so i was waiting to watch like samurai shampoo older full metal alchemist series would would come on or or naruto and and yeah i was i was like what's this kitty shit i don't want to watch this i want <laughs> i want grown up anime for grown ups about vampires who kiss yeah I get it. I still have a lot of research to do on anime production, but I feel like whenever they do start an, an anime and the mangas are done, it really is to, you know, to strike while the iron's hot, you know? We can't wait until this is over because sometimes it might run for like 400 issues. I'm thinking of things like One Piece. 
Like One Piece has 400 episodes. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't have that time, guys. Please. The one that always makes me think of that is like Dragon Ball Z, where it just oh. like goes for so long with nothing happening at all. Like I started rewatching Dragon Ball Z while I worked out. The theory that, like, you know, I was raising my power level hyped. is yeah. exactly, exactly, yes, makes sense. Um, and I was astonished at, like, like I, I just started like skipping ahead to when I thought something would happen because I was like, there's so many episodes that actually are like interfering with my workout because it's <laughs> it's just like Goku, like Goku dies and then spends a whole season running, yes, running back yes. so he can finally punch somebody. <laughs> yeah, it is one thing I really do appreciate about this show, Full Metal Alchemist. Actually, a lot happens each episode. It's fast. Yeah, it's fast. I was surprised by that. To the point where this is my rewatch, and I look back, and like so much has happened already that I'm like, what's going to happen in the next like 40 episodes or whatever? So you've already answered our question, which is, uh, when did you start watching Full Metal Alchemist? Which means that now it's time for us to get into our recap segment. This is the moment in the podcast where one of us will do an improvised 21-second recap of what happened in this episode. That person will be chosen by a roll of the dice. If he lands on one, it's me. If he lands on two, it's Arthur. If he lands on three, it's Mike. If he lands on four, it's Kurt, our guest. So let's roll the dice. And one, of course. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, All right. Arthur, can you calm me down? Okay. Three, two, one. Eric Brothers and Winry, they arrive in Central City and they go find Hughes, but they're like, oh my god, Hughes is dead. Winry goes talk to talk to Gracia and she cries because she wanted to show him the the, 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 the apple pie. She wanted to make apple pie. And uh, they also meet Lieutenant Ross and she is the one who tells them about that. And then Envy and Lust are like, we gotta give the, the dog some red meat. So they bring uh. Lieutenant Ross. Fuck. <laughs> I was so close. I was so close. You're usually pretty good at it. You wasted all that time talking about the apple pie, which is at the very end of the episode. Yeah, I just right. got distracted. I was like, I gotta mention the apple pie. And you forgot that Ling is arrested for being an illegal immigrant. In my defense, so did the episode. So <laughs> yes. <fair laughs> I thought it was funny that, like, when you asked me, um, you know, to come on, I was like, oh, cool, I'm going to get to talk about some, like, some awesome, like, fireball fights and, like, sword ninja <laughs> stuff. And, and this is, like, the one episode where, like, nothing happens yeah. except for people crying. <laughs> yeah, this, this is was intrigue. This episode. was a pretty emotional episode. I did think it was pretty interesting the way that, like, Full Metal Alchemist, um, like, builds up these characters and then has like very emotional things. And then, yeah, you get an episode like this where it's like there's a whole scene where it's like, well, what is the impact of Ed and Al's actions on, you know, the people who are left behind by the people who kind of got pulled into their, you know, like not like kind of half planned out quest at the same time, you know, it, it was it was admittedly different from from what I was expecting. Like, I definitely was expecting something um, going into this more in like the Naruto mold where it's like, oh, somebody learned a new alchemy trick. Now I have to learn a new alchemy trick. And there's like, there's <laughs> a little bit of that. Like it, it is still a shonen anime, but it, it does feel fundamentally different. And like, like it puts a lot more weight to its characters. So I think it's great. I think that it, it adds so much to it. And I've had, a, I have a hard time watching shows like Dragon Ball Z and stuff. I, I get bored because it just goes on and on and on and on. And in just like these charging scenes and like ridiculous. And I, I know there's a charm to it, but I it's kind of lost on me a little bit. 
I love how when they have these fights, they matter. They make everything rooted in character in a really smart way. There's an interesting aspect to it where like the emotion and not just the plot is uh, serialized, right? Like there's a lot of shows that will have, have an emotional moment within an episode or within an arc of a couple episodes, but then like a sitcom, it will kind of like reset. Like in Samurai Champloo, mm -hmm. you know, they're always going to keep wandering on to the next town until the series has, has concluded. So like you'll get something very sad in one or two episodes, um, but then that character's plot line gets kind of like resolved and, and moved along. Even just the fact that, is, is it Hughes's or Hughes? I was going to say Hughes. It's Hughes. The fact that they don't find out immediately uh, when he dies or the fact that they don't immediately find out um, when, uh, what's his name, like Tucker and the little girl, Kybera, get killed by Scar. Like I was expecting the next scene to be them crying and then that would be the end of it. It would be dispensed with, but instead it kind of like stretches out and they're learning more about what's going on and like the ramifications of it keep coming back. So it's, yeah, it's like- That's, that's it's a great like, point. The character development is also- serialized and it really builds on it. And the other thing I want to say is part of the reason that I think I disrespected the show when I was younger was because it was about like teenagers. And in my head, I was like, well, it's about kids. I don't want to watch another anime about kids. There is a little bit of that. Like they, they, they do at times act, you know, like young teenagers, but at the same time, the stakes are adult stakes and they do tend to react to the way that a teenager would, where they're like, they're overwhelmed by stuff. They don't know how, how to deal with like being in the adult world. And so I, I was impressed by that, that it wasn't just doing, again, like the Naruto thing of, well, they're teens. So, you know, it's like teen stakes and, and it's all happening within the teen world where the teens are, are the heroes. So I think the reason why that happens a lot is because them being kids is part of their place in the world. Them being kids is part of their story. It's how the world sees them. And at times it's how they don't want to be seen or how they want to be seen. There's that scene where Hawkeye explicitly goes like, now you want to treat them like kids? It's like, oh, yeah, you've yeah. been okay, but treating them like adults this whole time. And now you want to tell them that Hugh just went up to the hugest farm in the sky? It's, yeah, that's like, with... <laughs> is he with grandma and my goldfish? <laughs> he went to a farm with lots of other Hughes. <laughs> where they can all roam around and play together. What I was surprised about is that this was not a traveling anime as much as i expect yes. it to be because the intro yes. pitches it that way like they're always walking off into the sunset and i was like oh, okay so it's gonna be like these two guys walking from town to town in search of some quest and like they do that but they also keep going back to the same like three or four places <laughs> and yeah. then it's like well yeah. now, now we're back to central again it's because half of the cast is in central we should count the episodes that start with them getting off a train <laughs> i want to talk about mustang a little bit i think he's becoming more and more interesting and dynamic of a character that was like a surprisingly complicated moment from him like chastising armstrong for not telling the elrics about hughes and then uh not being able to tell them himself feeling like they have enough obstacles in their path already is the first time we really saw a soft side to this very maneuvering politician -y guy. i read it a little bit differently i read it as like a very like cynical thing that he was kind of like i need these two to keep doing what they're going to do 
So I'm just going to lie to their faces about something. Like, not even a good lie. Like, that was a pretty, mm-hmm. that was a pretty bad, <laughs> that was the obvious lie. lie. And, and, as evidenced by the fact that they find out, like, like a minute and a half later, and, like, the next person that they talk to, he's not, like... They literally walk around the corner, and they're like, oh, yeah, Hughes is dead. Ah! Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like, it was sinister in a way that I wasn't expecting. I did go back and, like, watch from the beginning, and Mustang is, like, it feels like a very generic character who you just assume is just kind of going to be like doing the same thing episode after episode. And you don't expect him to really like develop all that much. Like you expect him to maybe get a subplot or two, but I was not expecting him to have like his own, you know, desires and needs and, and goals. And like, you definitely kind of feel like, I don't know, cunning there coming through, which I, I thought was interesting. The plot reason why he just died is to give Roy to light a fire under his ass and to make him realize the like, you can't just sit around and play chess. You have to act now because your friend just died. I got both of what you guys are saying from this episode because I thought it was really interesting how the way they introduced him. Lying on the floor, sleeping like a hobo. And he gets up and he has like he hasn't shaved in days, obviously. Sheska, who is the character who's been most like she has the least control of her life. She was literally introduced being drowned by books. She is worried for Roy. Like, that's how low he's fallen. Why wouldn't he tell? I, I, I found it weird that he didn't tell. He definitely didn't seem to want them hanging around, moping. And and so yeah. just like, yeah, they're not here. Sorry. You, you know, oh, yeah, he went away. This is going to slow them down. And I don't want them to slow down. So maybe they'll just go away. Uh, and mm-hmm. and I can deal with this later. I, I had a little bit more of an altruistic read. It is sort of ambiguous now that I think about it. I saw it as a weakness. I saw it as this guy is not pure material. He's going to fuck it up. That's what I saw. It as. <laughs> By the way, uh, I, I assume that you, you all had a whole discussion about the fact that he's called the Fuhrer because it's, yes, it's pretty oh, funny. Yeah. It's pretty, we, it's we got on that pretty me. fast. Okay, yeah, it's, it's very <laughs> funny to me. Uh, also, the, the term not Fuhrer material is... is yeah. Uh... <laughs> Maybe, let me rephrase. <laughs> Maybe that's no, a but, you know, he's. I don't think he's ever going to be in charge. I don't think that. I don't think that that will ever work out for him. There is something we haven't talked about in this episode yet, which is there is a mole in the army. <laughs> and unfortunately... You, I, so you did have a mole. <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately, it's the one black guy... Ah, the, it's the, Envy. The uh, Fokker Doppler. Fokker Doppler is really good. I just want to congratulate you on that, by the way. Thank you. Or the Doppler yeah. Fokker. Doppler Fokker. We're know. just going to say Fokker Doppler. That's better. But yes, Envy is hidden inside the army and he frames Lieutenant Ross for the murder. And I think it's interesting that in the manga, I actually checked this, in the manga, when Ed and Winry and Al get to Central and they find out about Huge's death, Ross has already been framed. So mm. they rejiggered things around so that Ross is the one that actually tells it to them. Does just remind people of this character and why we should like this character and why we should feel bad when she gets framed for a crime she did not commit. And why Ed and Al will totally not believe it's her. I cannot comment on that. Isn't there also <laughs> the other guy who's like dating lusts? It turns out, right? Oh, yeah. Havoc at the oh, end yeah. is dating Laos. I mean, I mean, he's he's trying he's trying to get it, you know. Like, like who can blame the guys, you know? I mean, her, you know, <laughs> she, she does this thing with her finger, guys. <laughs> <laughs> 
She does look very <laughs> conspicuous compared to literally every other female character in the entire show. We talked show. about that. Okay. Right. Yeah. We talked about that. How like the women in the show look a certain way and then there's just lust. <laughs> there's definitely like a show in this universe like on TLC called I'm Dating a Homunculus. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually, lo- I really like it. She does this thing with your finger. I just did yeah. from back. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, yeah. I, I want to do the joke too. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and then she like does this thing with her finger. <laughs> it's a good joke. You know, I'm compliment. Take it. It's take funny it. because she does do a thing with her finger. They plant that so well in the episode. It's the overall inside asymmetrical information thing that the show does yeah. really well, where it's like when Fokker walks by and we see the other Fokker, and then all of a sudden the Fokker that we were hoping wasn't the Doppelfokker is the Doppelfokker. You know, it's like, you know that they're right. screwed because they're not even countering this. They're not even dealing with it. They don't know they're being spied on. They don't know they're being manipulated to this extent. And they are. It does. You know this what I is mean? a point in the show where it does feel really sinister. Like there's this big conspiracy going on and the homunculi kind of act with impunity right now. They seem to be a very much on like another level. Nobody even realizes that there's somebody plotting against them. The payoff of Havoc mentioning his new girlfriend as like like a comedy bit and that turns out to be relevant was a good way of like misleading. Imagine if he was like, yeah, I'm dating this new woman. And then it was just like, interesting, interesting <laughs> fact. It'd be like, well, that that seems relevant. But the fact that they turn it into like, like a goofy joke makes you not really pay attention to it. And this episode is also a really good example of something I noticed, which is there's still the conspiracy and there's still the secret and there's still some stuff we don't know. But it's like the show has kind of brought us into the circle. It's like there would be a version of the show where you wouldn't see that scene where Envy tells Lost, like, hey, like he's we got to give him something to go after. It's good action reaction. How about that scene when they walk by the phone booth? Oh, yes. yeah. That was, yeah, that was, that was that was rough, man. <laughs> and it just stays, and you on know, it. the shot. Just and they don't stays know. on it. Like it's more of that asymmetrical information because we know why that phone booth is significant. They actually can stay on that phone booth after the brothers have long since walked past it. And we're still like suffering looking at this thing, you know, Kurt, I have a question for you because you do. You are the co-host of Paris. Just don't understand. And I guess the question would be, you know, as a parent, <laughs> would you show this to your kid? Here's my theory on children and media. It's okay to push kids a little bit past their comfort zone. My kids are four and a half and one and a half, and we were recently watching uh, Samurai Jack. It was definitely a little bit more mature than my four-year-old um, was ready for, but that's kind of how you grow into new media. So I would say I'm not going to put a nine-year-old in front of this, but if you have like a young teenager and they're like 13 or 14 and they're like, I like anime and you catch them watching Full Metal Alchemist, I don't think it's that, you know, freak out blood fest. It's not like it's, you know, like Ninja Scroll or anything. And frankly, when I was like 12 or 13, I was watching Ninja Scroll and Akira and stuff. And there's way worse stuff in that than ever happens in Full Metal Alchemist. So, I mean, you know, like, like people die, but like kids pick up on that they know how to process that stuff and honestly the fact that it's about teenagers dealing with stuff might even uh teach them not to try to transmute humans yes. i was about I to learn the lesson that. That was so important. <laughs> it's a very important um, lesson just show them the second episode it's like this is what happens when you don't listen <laughs> don't do alchemy kid knocking on their door are you doing alchemy in there mike yeah do you know what time it is now it's my favorite time yes it's time for Mikey at the bat. This is the segment 
where Mike has to guess what happens in the next episode based solely on the episode title and the thumbnail. Mike, could you please describe it to us for the episode titled Cold Flame? Ah, Ling is in prison. There's a guy looking at him like this guy. <laughs> he that is a good way of describing what he's oh, looking at. But the at guy is like. obviously he's in this he's a state he's a military man, you know, he's disappointed. And Ling's like, oh man, come on, you know, I'm in prison. Ah. Oh. So I think it all goes down to like the cold flame must you know when we were talking about the green dragon of, of vitriol that devours the copper sun to create gold, you know what I mean? Like the al- alchemy, like the real shit, you know? We're gonna get into like the cold flame, the subtle fire that burns. It's gonna be a magic episode. It's gonna get into the deep explanation of why things are the way they are. We're gonna get into some real esoteric stuff in this next episode. It's gonna be a total mind fuck. That's what I think. That's a interesting All guess. Right. <laughs> so now it's time for us to conclude the podcast by grading the episode. And I'm going to get started by saying I'm going to give this episode four stars. It did at times feel a little bit like laying it way too heavy on the guilt. But I also felt like we needed this episode. We needed an episode where the Eric brothers just kind of deal with what happened to their friend. They just deal with the fact that they inadvertently caused someone's death. And it did lead me to one of my favorite moments so far of the whole show, which is when Al is like, sure, we said we want to get our bodies back, but we never said we were going to do it if people start dying around us, which I think is something very interesting and very potent. And I enjoyed it thoroughly. I would also give it a four. We've been getting a lot of exposition and this episode let us kind of sit in it and get that emotion. I think Kurt brought up a lot of really good points about how emotion is used in this episode in a more serialized way. Yeah, it affected me a lot. So I, I give it a solid, solid four. I'm actually going to give it five stars. Whoa. Wow. And the reason is, is because I think it was actually extremely well-crafted. There's a lot going on and it didn't get lost. Also, just for that booth moment where, where they hung on the booth when they walked by it. And then the doppelfacker moment where he walks by, that was such... That was so good. That was so scary and so interesting. And I I'm, I, I have to give it five stars. One star. No fights. Give me a fight. <laughs> I want to fight. <laughs> no, I no. I changed mine to one honestly, star. <laughs> I, honestly, um, it, you know, if, uh, it, like, it is good to have these kind of, like, character development episodes. And it, it is a nice thing to happen. But at the same time, in my day, you used to buy, like, VHS tapes of anime you know at like the comic book store back in the day and it would just be like three episodes on one vhs and and they wouldn't be in order and you kind of wouldn't know what what you were going to get if this were one of the three on on my vhs i'd be like where's the fight where's the where's the cool fight teenage me says one star grown-up me says like like three stars and if you don't want your teenage self to yell at you why don't you follow us on twitter at fm analysts that's twitter.com slash fm analysts Subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. I want to take this moment to thank Kurt for coming. Thank you so much, Kurt. Uh, do you want to plug something? Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll plug two things. Um, one, Parents Just Don't Understand has been on kind of like a, a hiatus due to uh, quarantine and childcare stuff. By the time this airs, 
we will have released uh, a really great episode that we did with uh, Brett Payne of uh, Street Fight about cartoon all-stars to the rescue, which, which is a, a an early Love 90s it. anti-drug PSA that like the, the Bush family and the parents television council like browbeat the studios into doing. Um, and uh, Joe Biden gave a congressional floor speech about how it was going to end the war on drugs. Oh my God. Um, no. uh, and, and then uh, we, we also have an episode that um, will probably be coming out around the same time as uh, as this is, is coming out about Sonic the Hedgehog, Sanic, in all his, his various uh, television incarnations. Um, so keep an eye awesome. out for that. And the other thing I'll plug is uh, my sci-fi fantasy and horror magazine, Blood Knife, which is at bloodknife.com. Each month we put out a number of really good think pieces and editorials kind of analyzing science fiction and fantasy from a leftist, progressive, anti-fascist, anti-all-the-right-stuff, pro-all-the-right-stuff perspective. In the end of September, we are putting out a horror-themed episode, which is going to have some really cool uh, content in it that I'm excited to put out. Again, it's bloodknife.com, and uh, you can get early access to articles and other cool stuff by supporting us at patreon.com slash bloodknife. It's two words, blood and knife, like the stabbing and then the thing that comes out after you get stabbed. And thanks for having me on. It was a real blast. That'll be all for now. We'll see you next time on Full Metal Analysts. Until then, stay frosty, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. You know what's weird, Kurt? It's that every now and then you're talking to Michelle and he just says that. That'll be all for now. (laughs) Hold on. I've got something terrible to say. All right. Well, if you like Samurai Shampoo, make no. sure you also watch no. Samurai Condition Blur. Oh, <laughs> Mike, I knew exactly what you were doing. No, no. Don't watch Bleach, though. It'll ruin your hair. Uh. <laughs> Thank you, Kurt. Thank you. Cheers. He gets Cheers. me. Somebody gets me. <laughs>